Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I was preparing all week on bringing a message of faith. A message of faith to us. And um, on Friday evening, I felt God shift it in my heart. And he just said, Leo, you've got to preach on um, his heart for the lost. God's heart is desperate and uh, like it's pounding for the lost. The end, end days are getting closer and closer. Every time you go to sleep, every time I go to sleep, every time I wake up, we just lost a day. They brought us closer to the coming of the Lord. If I can say it this way, please imagine with me. Just imagine if this truth was real. We know it's not because we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus comes back. But imagine if the Lord was going to come back in a week's time. Just imagine. Like you know for sure one week he's, it's all over. Everyone's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Because that's what the Bible says. Everyone has to give account to Jesus and bow the knee and confess him as Lord. The Bible says that. Every person will do it, whether they do it willingly or not, they will do it. The word give account, everyone will give account before the judgment seat of Christ. The word account actually means logos. Everyone will give a logos. Know what the word logos means? Thing said. Think about it that. Not just a, a given account. It's everything you say, we're going to stand before God we're going to be judged for it. God is an amazing God. Thank God he sent Jesus though. Thank God he sent his son Jesus to take the penalty for us on the cross and pay the, the complete penalty and fulfill uh, the judgment that was against us. He was consumed as the sinner. The judgment that I deserve was put upon Jesus so that you and I could be free. That's good news. And he gives us salvation and forgiveness for free. You can't get it better than this. You really can't. The world and we all thought, but don't I have to do something for it. Don't have to earn it. Don't, have to, don't I have to be good enough? If I'm good enough, then, then maybe God will forgive me. You ask most people in the, in the streets, what do you think you have to do to get to heaven? They'll tell you, um, be a good person. Don't do this, don't steal, don't kill, don't do this. You know, like, just be a nice, be a good person, I think. In other words, they're seeing that if you're good enough, you, you might make it. It's, not to, it's got nothing to do with our goodness. It's got to do with his goodness. When he died on the cross, he demonstrated the mercy and grace of his love. And he gives us forgiveness for free. In the act of accepting it is what changes your heart. Not just, not, not, not just mentally accepting it here, but accepting it in your heart. A lot of people believe in Jesus and not following him. It's like being in an airplane. The airplane's going down and there's a parachute right there. And you go, I believe in the parachute. I know that parachute can save me if the airplane was going down. It can save me. I really believe in the ability of that parachute. It won't do you any good unless you put it on. So if you're falling, you, 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 you fell out of the plane and you're falling, you need to have that parachute on for it to save you. Even though you mentally believe its ability to save you. A lot of people believe in the ability of Jesus to save them, but they haven't put him on. You've got to put on Christ. And so I'm going to share about the heart of God. I just feel God's um, love for us. I want us to feel it out of love and not guilt. Please hear that. Don't be motivated out of guilt, okay? Not an ounce of guilt. We're motiv motivated out of the love of God. Don't be motivated out of fear because we're, we're, we're not trying to earn our way to heaven, so if you're a really good soul winner, that doesn't mean that now I'm in heaven, no. And if you're not a good soul winner, it doesn't mean you've got a lesser place in heaven. Is that, you can all hear me? The microphone. If you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 14. 
verse 15. Um, Jesus is speaking of a powerful truth here. And Jesus used parables to, to um, illustrate heavenly truth. He's not just talking about a dinner banquet. Jesus is not that concerned about a dinner banquet. He's actually using a dinner banquet reflecting what heaven's like. Look what he says. Now, when one of those who sat at the table, they were eating, with him heard these things, he said to, to Jesus, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So they're eating at a table, and someone just blurts out to Jesus because he's so overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus. He goes, Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this, A certain man gave a great supper, a great banquet, and invited many people. So, so think about this. He's given us this a picture of a banquet dinner. Now, why does Jesus do this? Can I tell you why I think he does this? Because I, I think he knows everyone loves food. He, everyone loves food. If you put on a massive banquet dinner and it's free and it's the best, uh, the best food that you can imagine and someone's invited to that dinner party, you go, ooh, I'd like to go. The only reason why you won't go is if you think you've got something more important to go to. He's using this picture of a dinner banquet that this person invited many people. And I believe the reason why they're invited is for relationship. The reason why he's inviting this first group of people is in relationship. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And that's exactly the time we're in now, in this season right now, in these last days. It's like the Lord, kingdom of heaven, the heart of heaven, the heart of the Father saying, Come, all things are ready. It's free. Can't do anything to deserve this. Come, it's all ready. It's all been done for you. There's a beautiful feast laid out to enjoy God's presence for all eternity in heaven. That's the picture. It's heaven, okay? It's not just food. But they all, all of these people that were invited with one accord made excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. So this guy got invited to this dinner party. He says, look, I bought a piece of ground. I bought it. I paid cash for it, whatever. He's made the transaction. He's made the sale. And he says to the guys, I've got to go see it now. Something's wrong with this picture. He should have looked at it before he made the sale. But he goes, I've got to go look at it. To him, this enterprise of making, buying land and, and cultivating it and making money out of it, is, which is business, and money is his God, it's more important to him than the dinner invitation. So he says, this is more important, more valuable. It's more important. I can't, can't come to that. Excuse me. Can you please excuse me? I can't make it. And so another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. They all made excuses. This one bought five yoke of oxen. In those days, if you buy five yoke of oxen to, to plow the ground, that, you're pretty wealthy. And so, and I am going to test them. Again, the picture is the same. same. You should have tested them before you bought them. What are you going to do when you get them? They're skinny and scrawny and weak and they can't pull any weight. Well, you can't say, oh, excuse me, can I have my money back? You already paid for them. So... It's funny how the Lord puts it that way. I don't know. I just find that amusing. <laughs> and he goes, I ask you, have me excused. Again, in his mind, I bought the five yoke of oxen. I've got to start testing them. I've got to start working them. I've got to start plowing my ground. I've got to make some increase. It's business. It's money. It's, it's, that's more important to me than the invitation. So he says, please excuse me. Still another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, that's the reason I can't come. Now that really makes me laugh. It's like, you married a wife? Uh, you become a crippled? Did you get a chain and ball that like, you can't do anything now? What happened? Like, bring your wife. Like, you married a wife. Fantastic. Bring her to the banquet. Like, 
that's a funny one too. <laughs> My sneaky expression is, suspicion is they just got married and he's probably a Christian. He's been waiting for a long time and now they're on honeymoon. <laughs> so it's important to him. Anyways. <laughs> so then, all these guys are making excuses. We're in a moment, right now, in the season that the church is in worldwide, I believe there's harvest time. God's stirring up. In Australia, man, we're in the midst of it. The, the Lord has shifted something. And, and even, even what God's put on my heart, I usually spend time in the afternoon, Saturday. We had a party on. So I, it hasn't even been born out of prayer. It's born out of the fact that God did it in my heart. Because yesterday I would have been in prayer all afternoon. I love being in prayer in the afternoon on Saturday. But we had a big party on. And so the party, um, you know, takes all your time preparing the backyard and all of that. So... But the Lord did something in my heart, just weeping, just crying, feeling the heart of the Father, feeling what he, he said. If we had one week left, if we had one week left, what, how would we treat people when you're walking past them? If I knew I had only one week left and every moment, every day, every, every moment is a lost opportunity. Now, I know we don't have one week left before the Lord comes back. But I think we should have that attitude almost even if we had 100 years left. Because every moment, every missed opportunity is a missed opportunity. So we've got to have that heart that the Father has. If Jesus was here, and we're his body, he's the head, we're the body. We feel his heart for the lost. He's passionate for the lost. He died on the cross for the lost. He paid the ultimate price to save people. And, and, and we're his servants, because the master told the servants, go invite people. We've got this amazing opportunity with Alpha right now on Thursday. An amazing opportunity as a church. This place, if we understood the heart of the Father, should be packed with people that don't know Jesus yet. People that have got questions about their faith. People that have got questions about the gospel. I don't know the gospel. They're not saved. They haven't got their sins forgiven. But they've got questions. They want to know more. This place should be packed because we're inviting, inviting, inviting. We should have this heart. That's what I'm feeling from the Father. You say, Leo, what makes it success? Uh, on the night. I'll tell you what makes success on the night. For me, the heart of our church focusing on unsaved people has made us successful on the night. If no one got saved throughout the whole Alpha course, but our hearts shifted to think about the loss, we've, we've done what the Father wanted us to do. I know people are going to get saved, but I'm saying we've got to have a heart. As a matter, like, I remember hearing a church that grew really, really fast, and, and, and like in two years, they grew to a thousand people or something, and, and Somebody asked the pastor something like, how come you're still passionate for unsaved people? He goes, just because I had a church of a thousand people, there's still thousands of people that are lost. There's still millions of people that are lost. It doesn't matter if we grow to 10,000 people. It's the city that people still need Jesus. So that servant came and reported these things to his master because they all said no, they were making excuses. And you're going to get rejection, guys. We're going to invite people to church, to Jesus, to the kingdom. We're going to tell them the good news. Um, I want us to have the heart. This, please hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. If you can't get people on Thursday night to come to Alpha, and you think, oh, well, I missed the first night, get them on the second night. First night's not the be-all of everything. Get them to come the second night. If they come, can't make the second night, get them to come the third night the first time, the fourth night. Any night, get them to come. That should be our heart, because I'll tell you what, if they just come and experience God, experience people that love God, experience 
the, the church and experience the message and hear what Jesus done for them. Let's just have that heart. And if they say, I can't get them on a Thursday night because all my friends go to, I don't know, work or uni, whatever. Well, have a heart that you can start an alpha in your school, in your uni, in your home. Like it's, it's that, let's just think out of the box. Let's just have a heart to say, okay, look, I've got a few people. I, anyone can download the Alpha course online and watch it and, and disciple. It's our responsibility to disciple people. That's what I'm trying to say to all of us. Let's, oh, the church is doing it, and I can't get them on a Thursday. Oh, well. But the Lord is saying, let's just have a shift in our hearts and say, you know what, God, show me. Can I start an Alpha at school or at work? I mean, Robbie, didn't you do one at your work? Robbie did it at his work and put on Alpha course at lunchtime. Just get creative. Think, how can we reach the people we have? Now, we've got, we're focusing on Thursday night. Fantastic. And every, every Thursday for the next eight weeks. So you've got an opportunity, just in case you don't know. It's dinner for free. It's this banquet. Sure, people are going to make excuses, but there's going to be many that will say, yeah, I'll come. I'll check it out. And by God's grace and through our praying, people can get saved. And they're going to be saved. Amen. Look at what the servant, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, and I looked up that word, I thought, surely the master's not angry. Because this is a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the Lord of heaven. And it says the master is angry. So I looked up the Greek, it's going to be a nicer word than angry. And it means angry. It still means angry in the Greek. Like the Lord is passionately, righteously angry. Because he wants you to be saved. Imagine if you're lost and, you're, and your little child is going towards destruction. You'd do anything to save them. I've heard you know, stories of little children that have wandered off and get lost. Hundreds of people looking in the bush. Hundreds of people looking. Helicopters and radars and heat sinking things that try to find the heat of the little child in the bush. Why? Because the precious soul of one person. They're just lost. Not just lost, but I'm talking about, we're talking about eternity. He says, then he became angry. He said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets, into the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame and the blind. Now these people are needy. The first guys looked like they were all prosperous and all had, had everything, you know? Had everything in life because they're doing well. These guys are, these are the poor, the maimed, the lame, they can't even walk, and the blind. And, and the, the, they had great need. And because they had great need, I think there was a humility about them. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there's room. In other words, no, no rejection, no uh, resistance, no one's making excuses. They just all came. So even you've invited people, just invite more. And the second amount of people that you might invite go, bang, no excuses, right? But our job is to keep inviting. Not just to Alpha, to Jesus, to the kingdom, to the gospel. Amen. It says then, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. This is the heart of Jesus. There's still room. I mean, heaven's going to be populated. I want you to know that. There are probably 200 million, maybe more, maybe a billion Babies and children that are in heaven that have been aborted, that have been miscarried, that have been lost, that have died early, like two-year-olds, three-year-olds that don't know the Lord and could not be accountable of their sin. There is billions in heaven. So don't think you're going to, oh, just make it, there's only going to be a few. There's going to be billions and billions. The Lord, the Lord God Almighty will win. 
Then the look what it says. There's still room. The passion of the father is still room in the house. There's still room in the house. Then the master said to the servant, "Go out into the highways and the hedges. The highway is like the streets. It's like go out where the people are. Go out to them because they're not coming to you." That's really the heart, what Jesus is saying here. And the hedges is an interesting word. It actually means go out to the places that are fenced in, enclosed, barrier, barrier. They made their barriers around them. They've hedged themselves in to enclose, to block up, to even silence and stop. It's like these guys have blocked themselves up, enclosed themselves. Go to them as well because they're not coming to you. Even the ones that feel closed up, you know why they're closed up? Because they've been hurt. They've been wounded. They've been smashed. They've been abused. Don't say, oh, well, you're just, hard. you're just a hard person. You've got a hard heart. You're just not, God's not going to touch you. No, he, he wants to touch everyone. Yeah. Don't give up on people because they've been hurt and they're so hardened. Maybe because the church has hurt them. Maybe because religion has hurt them. Or maybe because they've been sexually, physically, emotionally abused as children. Yeah. Have compassion to say, God, let's get through to them. Yeah. And it says, and compel them to come in. God's telling us, our heart is to compel. That word compel is to necessitate. It's like, it needs be. Compel them. That's the word, necessitate. To constrain them to come in. Do all that you can to get them in. In that heart of, they need to hear the gospel. And it says, that my house may be filled. See the heart of the Father? He wants his house to be full. He doesn't want anyone to perish. God is not willing that anyone perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth, it says in Timothy. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. None of them that were invited would taste my supper. They were invited, but they made excuses. The Lord's passionate about seeing people get saved. And I... I just want to, I, 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 I'm, I'm reminded of me because at the age of 19, I was a, into nightclubs, into breaking, breakdancer, I was fashion designing, I was, you know, uh, what, what's the word, um, uh, getting drunk a lot, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there was a time in my life I was getting drunk, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I was empty, I was lost, I didn't have a purpose, and I got hurt as a 16, 17 year old uh, young man uh, with a relationship with a lady. And my heart broke, so I had to get drunk to have a good time. I was depressed. I was searching and searching and searching. At the age of 19, someone told me about Jesus at Bondi Beach. She was carrying her Bible at the beach. Reality is, when I found out, her, uh, she was backsliding from church but going to the beach with her Bible, thank God. Because after she led me to, to the church and I got saved, she fell away from God. So, so the Lord used her, because I keep asking her questions about this church. Take me to this church. Her name was Blue. Her first name was Blue. This other girl, ex-girlfriend, her best friend was going to this church and telling me about them experiencing God. Her second name was Blue. I don't know why, but it was. Amanda Blue. And so she's telling me about this church, and I'm the type of young man saying, take me to this church. I want to go. I want to check it out. I want to experience God. Because they were saying they, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They see uh, Jesus, or they have electricity run through their body, and they feel heat and love. And it just got explained to me like it was very supernatural. I think it was a bit of exaggeration, because I don't think everyone experiences it like that at all. Some do, but not everyone. And so in my mind, I thought, wow, everyone experiences it like that. So I wanted to encounter God like that. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I was telling her, take me to this church. Take me to this church. Take me to this church for about two or three months, every time I saw her. 
One day she rings me. I'm at home. She goes, oh, Leah, I'm coming past to pick you up to take you to church. I said, uh, 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 sure, okay. Uh, I didn't know how to say no because I was telling her for two months. I wanted to say no, but I didn't know how. So I hung that phone up. And then after about half an hour, I thought, no, nah, I'm going to tell her I'll go next time, next week or something. So I ring. It's engaged. Can't get through. Ring again, engage. Ring again, engage. Oh, well, I picked up my girlfriend at the time, picked up my girlfriend, came back, tried to ring her to tell her, let's go next time, and she'd left. So she came, and I'm, when she came in the car, I was not dressed. She goes, oh, that's fine, come the way you are. Cause I, anyway, I'm following her in the car. She's in her car, no mobiles in those days. And in my mind, I'm going, I'll just pretend I'll lose her. I'll pretend I'll lose her, and I'll tell her next time, I've lost you in the traffic, I'll go next time. I'm, in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to say the fear. The, the negativity, the, the enemy trying to say, don't go, don't go. And I, fought, and I went, reluctantly. I went to church and God got my heart. That's, that's the, what I, the main point I want us to understand about that. I'm telling you, honestly, I would never have gone on my own. And yet God saved me. I just know me. I'm not exaggerating. I don't think I had the guts to just go, I'm going to get up, find the address and go alone or by myself. Yet God saved me that way. I just feel the invitation. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this. The invitation, we're his servants. The master's telling us, invite. Invite, invite. Yes, we compel, but invite with love. You know, don't, you don't be forceful. You be loving. You be kind. You know, if, if you get rejected, don't, don't get defensive. Be loving. So, you, know, you know, please hear what I'm saying. I don't want people to misunderstand this, but we know it's a rescue mission. They don't know it's a rescue mission. There's a scripture in Joel, if you're going to go to it, please. The book of Joel, and uh, near the, right near the end. <clears throat> Powerful scripture. I'm so used to my iPad, my Bible in my iPad, I turn to it so quickly. And now, Joel, if you pick it up from verse 12 of chapter 3, it's all about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the great move of God in the last days. Then in, my, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. That's pretty amazing. On all flesh. That means God's Spirit is going to come upon everyone. doesn't mean they'll all receive, but the Holy Spirit's going to go after them. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. This is the valley of Jehoshaphat is the, the valley of Megiddo in Israel. It's the Armageddon war. It's the last war that ends all wars. It's the war where Jesus actually comes back to finish everything. Remember I was talking about, imagine if it was like one week left. How would we act? It doesn't matter. If it, we know it's not one week left. But imagine if there was a hundred years left. The reality is, every day, we're running out of time. Every day is a missed opportunity. That, that heart to say, God, let's have our, let, let have our hearts pump for the lost. Let our hearts beat for the lost. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. This is like heaven speaking, the Father speaking. Put in the sickle into the earth, the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. That's going to happen one day. It's not just a scripture that looks pretty and looks nice. I don't know how it's going to happen, but the sun will grow dark. The moon won't bear its light. There's a scripture in Psalms, if I remember right. I think it's, uh, I looked it up. It's something like 34 maybe. But 
I can look it up, but it, it, it says the Lord God will fold up the heavens like a scroll. One day it's all going to be over. He'll fold up the heavens, the stars, the, the universe. To God, it's like a scroll. He just folds it all up and starts new heavens and new earth. That time is coming. The, valley, the multitudes, multitudes, the valley of decisions is where all the armies of the earth will go into the valley of Israel and, and they'll be fighting one another and the Lord stops that last war because the Lord will, will establish his kingdom in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That's going to happen. That's reality. Think, well, it might not happen in my life. It doesn't mean you should fall asleep. It doesn't mean you should just be, oh, it's all right, it's fine, I'm fine, I've got my life saved. Even if it doesn't happen in our lifetime, it's going to happen. I'm just trying to help us, remind us the truths that we know so, so readily. We know this truth. It's going to happen. We know that. If you look to um, Matthew 24, really quickly, please. Matthew 24. I'm, I'm really stirred up because I feel the heart of God about, our, about what he's doing. I feel, I feel God's doing this. He's shifting something. He wants us to be more aware. That's all. He wants us to be more alert. He wants us to wake up in the morning and say, God, who do you want me to speak to today? That's all. Because every time I wake up with a heart of prayer and say, God, who can I speak to? God, make opportunity. When I pray, like, open up opportunity for me to talk to someone about Jesus, I always see the opportunity. But when I'm not praying like that, I don't see those opportunities. They're there, I just don't see them. Does that make sense? Because I'm not poised. I'm not alert. I'm not watching. I fall asleep spiritually. And I don't see the opportunity. They're right in front of me, but I don't see it. But when I'm praying and I've got a heart, say, God, open up opportunities so I can talk to someone about Jesus, I see them. doesn't mean they weren't there before. I just didn't see them. That's what I'm talking about. Let us just be alert. Let us be awake. And in Matthew 24, it says... Okay, we're going to read it from I'll pick it up from verse 37 but as the days of Noah were so also will the coming of the son of man be for as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark as in the days of Noah they were oblivious that the judgment was coming they were oblivious. They were marrying, giving in marriage, partying, doing life, living life. And he goes, as in the days of Noah in the flood, so it is the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 39, and did not know until the flood came. They didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. The two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. What's that? That's the rapture. There's going to be a time where God takes his people out of the earth. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. This is simple. Don't, it's not spiritual. It's just the rapture. The catching away of the church. There's no word like rapture in the New Testament, but it means the catching away. In a blink of an eye, the Bible says we'll be changed. Our mortal body will put on immortality. That's going to happen. Watch therefore. Watch literally means be alert, be awake. In other words, the Lord's saying, don't fall asleep in these times. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Why should we watch? We don't know when he's going to come. I'm just trying to help us think. Imagine if it was a week. How would we live if we knew it was only one week left? 
I know it's not a week left, but I'm just saying, how would we live? We'd live a little bit different. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. If we knew the day he was coming in, we'd be alert, we'll watch. There's a thief coming into my house, I'm going to make sure he doesn't get in. Because you're awake. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The words of the Lord Jesus. He's coming. Who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master ruler, his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. As surely I say to you, he will make him ruler over all goods. But if that evil servant in his heart master is, says, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink and with the drunkards. In other words, if we think, ah, oh, the Lord won't come back. The Lord hasn't come. He's been saying that for many years. The church has been saying that for many years. He's not going to come back. Not now in my life. And we start to fall asleep. Says the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and on an hour that he's not aware of and will cut him to two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. These shall be, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then he uses the story of the five, of the ten um, virgins. Five wise virgins and five foolish ones. The five wise ones said, we'll go buy some oil and make sure we're carrying oil with us with the lamps. And this doesn't make sense in our day and age, but in those days, they actually had to wait for the bridegroom, and the bride could come any time of the day or the night. So these virgins who had to take care of the bride were ready. They had, their, they had to pay a price. They had to sacrifice. They had to get out of their way to find oil to keep their extra oil ready for the lamp if it, if it goes out. And so the foolish ones didn't do it. And so at midnight, a cry goes out. So at midnight, the cry goes out, the bridegroom's coming! The bridegroom's coming! And they're all woken up because they all fell asleep. The Bible says they all fell asleep when the bridegroom was about to come. And the wise one grabbed their oil and the foolish one says, oh, can you give us some quick? Can we share some of yours so we can go to? And he goes, no, no, no. If we give you some, we'll run out too. You, you won't be able to do it either. We won't be able to. Go buy your own now. So they went and go to buy their own. As they went to go buy their own, the door opened. They went in and it shut. And the five foolish didn't get in. It just gives us a reality of being ready. Just be ready. Have your hearts poised. Have your hearts ready. And how do you do that? Out of a love relationship with Jesus. Be in love with Him. Stay in love with Him. Spend time with Him. Prioritize Him. If the Lord was coming back in a week or a month, the things that we're doing and giving our time to, like those people that are making all the excuses about the dinner banquet, really wouldn't mean much. So what is all that? What am I building? Let's not forget we're building for the kingdom of God. We're building for eternity, not just for the here and now. If you get your eyes off Jesus, the Bible says, fix your eyes on heavenly things. Fix your eyes, your mind on heavenly things, where Christ is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. It's where we're seated. Fix our eyes there, not on the earthly here. In Revelation chapter 10, I just want to read this. Revelation chapter 10. Do you believe the Bible? You're not just here to have your ears tickled, are you? And, and if you're visiting us for the first time, please understand, um, if you're not used to the presence of God, the way we worship, the way we sing, the way we do music, um, it's in the Bible. 
that in the Bible they had instruments, they had, they had cymbals, they had drums, they had guitars, they worshipped loud voices. In heaven it's actually very loud. The worship in heaven is so loud, the Bible says the temple shook. The, the pillars in heaven shook because of the worship and the noise that's in heaven. So get used to the loud worship because when we get to heaven, it's pretty loud. Woo. Now, I believe the Bible. I know you believe the Bible, but li- just read this. Just imagine, imagine, this is real. This is real and it's going to happen. Verse 1, I, chapter 10 of Revelations. I saw still another mighty angel. Coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on, his, was on his head. His face was like the sun. I was driving here today in the morning, and the sun was blaring, and I'm looking at the sun. I'm thinking, imagine seeing an angel that looked, his face looked like the sun. And, it's, and it says, um, his feet, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right, hand, his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land. Why is it saying that? It's not because he's on the coast of some little beach and going hand in the, the stiff water there and, and foot, foot sorry on the on the beach and the beach and the land. And this is a big, mighty angel. It's massive. He's massive. He's a giant. He would take up the sky. If you saw this angel, God, God's mighty angel. His face was like the sun. He's massive. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. And uh, the angel said, don't write that down. John was about to write that down. He wasn't allowed to write it down. And this is what he said in verse 5. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven. This is right at the end of the age. Right at the end. He's actually closing in time. Look what he says. And swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, and the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be time no longer. And that word in in the NIV says delay, but you look up the word actually means krinos. It means time. The time as we know it will be no longer. It's like saying, another another translation says, "There there will be time no more. He declared it to the heavens. He declared it to him who lives forever. In other words, the time that we had opportunity to win people is gone. It's finished. It's it's over. Every single person will stand before God. That day is coming. There will be a day where the angel will say that. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's not live for ourselves. You and I aren't called to live for ourselves. We're called to live for Jesus. We're called to live for His glory. We're called to live for His kingdom. And the Lord is so gracious and so loving. Every little thing you do for Him, every little thing, He rewards. So how do you know that, Leo? Well, Jesus says that if you give a cup of water to a disciple in the name of the fact that He's a disciple, truly, Jesus says, you won't lose your reward. So God's even looking at the little cup of water you give. A water? Just a water? Someone gave me water. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to get reward for that. You think God's, God's not religious. He's not legalistic, but He's meticulous. And He's calculated. You have to make the heavens, you have to be calculated. You have to be a mathematician. 
mathematician because the heavens operate perfectly all the time. The stars orbiting perfectly in order. God's amazing. Everything you and I do for Him, He looks at it and He's a reward in heaven for all eternity. So we're not doing it out of fear. Don't be motivated out of fear. Don't do it out of guilt. There's no guilt in us because Jesus did it all for us. We do it out of the love for God because He loves people dearly. And if you say, God, I don't feel this. I don't feel love for people. Then say this, say, God, give me love for people. Let me love people the way you love people. If you're not moved, if you think, I don't feel this, maybe you need to know Jesus in the sense of the reality that we were going to hell, we accepted Jesus, now we're going to heaven. And so... If I've got an antidote, everyone's dying of cancer around me and I've got an antidote and I drink and, I, and I, I'm now healed of cancer. Everyone's got cancer, but I drink this antidote. I'm not going to put it in my shelf at home. I can share it with anyone. I would share it. And if I get persecuted, if I get attacked, so it be. We're living in a world that persecution will come. Jesus said it, didn't he? Someone was preaching in the streets in Canada preaching the message of the gospel as pure as possible. He was talking about the love of Jesus, love for all humanity, and love for everyone, no matter who you are. We're all sinners. God loves you. He loves you. He happened to be in a a community of um, homosexual parade. He wasn't saying, we don't hate anybody. We love everybody. Jesus loves everybody. We accept everybody. We love everybody. And he still got taken. Eventually, because of the protest around him, the police ended up coming and arrested him. And all he was sharing is the love of Jesus, the pure gospel. People are going to misunderstand the pure gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus accepts everyone, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter. No matter your background, we all need Jesus to have died on the cross for our sins. Amen? Can we pray? Now, I just want us to ask God to soften our hearts. And to give us boldness. To give us courage. The righteous are as bold as lions, the Bible says. So Father, we take authority over fear of man. We take authority over fear of rejection. We take authority over even the fear of persecution. Or to be hated, or to be despised, or to be looked down upon. But we take authority over that and the love of God will rise up in our hearts to love people enough to tell them the truth. That we love them enough to invite them to the kingdom of God. To invite them to, the, to Jesus, to meet Jesus. That we share the gospel everywhere we go. Father, that we would reach out, that we would invite them to Alpha courses, that we would put on Alpha courses, that we invite them to our massive Alpha banquet dinner night. Lord, that you give us the boldness to have this place packed, people that don't know Jesus, not just Alpha, Lord, but Sundays, week in, week out, our connect groups filled with unsaved people, week in, week out. Father, we pray a release of lost souls uh, coming into the kingdom and getting saved. We just pray that right now over our hearts. Shift our hearts, Lord. All we're asking is that we see them the way you see them, Lord. All we're asking is that our eyes change, our perspective changes to see people the way you see them in the light of eternity, in the light of what you did for them on the cross, when you paid the penalty on the cross. And we pray for many salvations, many, many. Unlock it, Lord. Unlock it in our church. We 
thank you for many souls being saved. Do it in our hearts right now. Just accept that right now. Just receive. God is almighty. God's all powerful. He's at work right now in our hearts. He's shifting. He's shifting something in our hearts. Just give up things. But if you have to give up something, let it go. If there's something that's binding you, something that's chaining you, some addiction, something that's holding you back, condemnation, guilt, just break it right now. Say, Lord, I, I'm done with that. I give that up right now. Make a decision. You have the power to make a decision to give that up if it's destructive, it's not God's will. So, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We bless you, Lord. And not just today, Lord, tonight, when we go to sleep, work in our hearts. We wake up tomorrow morning, work in our hearts. Work this truth in our hearts all week, all month, all year, until you come back, Lord Jesus. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.